Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and talk to our great friend, blues play-by-play host, Chris Kerber. Kerbs, how you doing this morning? Doing good. How are you, you today? I couldn't hear you. Oh, there you are. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you today? We're doing wonderful. Curves, the uh, the Blues took a tough loss last week, uh, this weekend, over to the to the L.A. Kings. Had an opportunity there. Um, what what exactly took place and what happened uh, in that game? Well, I, I you know, I got to go back to something that Doug Armstrong said a couple of weeks ago, and, and this wasn't even – this was pre-trade deadline. I can't remember if this was after the Ryan O'Reilly trade or which, which deal it was. But he, he said he said the one thing that that he was he, he was frustrated with a game and, and it was a game that didn't have much compete in it and he goes look I understand the situation we're in I understand where the team is in but I want to see compete and he goes I understand that we're going to potentially lose some games that you know we're right in there but you're going to lose it because the other team has a better roster than us they've got a little more skill they're a little further ahead than we are and he's willing to accept that and. Uh, but what he didn't want to accept was kind of a lack of compete. Something we might have seen, you know, for example, the last time the Blues were in Arizona. So, uh, to me, over the weekend, I think you saw, I think you saw exactly that. You saw the Blues have a really good second period, their best second period offensively, uh, actually the best first or second period offensively of the season against San Jose, and that's a team they should be able to compete with and beat. And and then you saw them lose a close one to Los Angeles, who's turned a corner. They're challenging for a division title, and so, uh, but they were competitive in the game. And I and I get it, man. I get it that fans don't want to hear, "Oh, great, we're competitive." But you know, th- there's a reality to the retooling situation the Blues are in right now. Well, Curb's kind of talking about that. Jakob Rana and then Kasperi Kapanen joining this group. Do you feel like Doug Armstrong, and I know that you tweeted this out, so I'll ask you the question. Do you feel like the Blues and Doug Armstrong kind of won the trade deadline, or what are your feelings about that, adding those two guys especially? Well, getting Kasperi Kapanen on waivers so it didn't cost you anything, um, I, I like that I like that move. We'll see if the Verona one pays out and pays off uh, for both uh, Jakob and for the St. Louis Blues. You know, as, as I think you definitely have a motivated player trying to prove something coming into next season. But it, it speaks to the, where the Blues are. You know, when you go back to where Doug Armstrong took over in 2010, 
And he said, okay, first off, I, I need to advance the development of guys like David Backus, Patrick Berglund, and, and Perron, and, and that group of young players, TJ Oshie and them. And then, yeah, eventually you saw some trades of some of those guys. But he brought in the Jason Arnott's, the Jamie Langenbrunners, and, and guys, the Daryl Sedoris, guys like that, to help from a veteran aspect to speed things along. The fact that they're going to have a couple of veteran players at 26, 27 years of age that have three, 400 games NHL experience, uh, to, to not have to have you thrust guys like Jake Neighbors, Jimmy Snuggerud, uh, Bull Duke, and, and others into the lineup in situations where they may not be as successful, I think that's a smart move. So when I threw that one out there, do you think the Blues won the trade deadline? I, I saw a tweet from a, a Canadian radio station, and and it asked that. Of course, it always has, you know, which one's acquired the best players. Well, you know, if, what if you were one of the teams selling? So, you know, like getting five drafts picks for Chandler Janot, which is what Nashville did which for Tampa, which was amazing. Uh, the Blues got two first-round draft picks for their free agents. You know, I think the Blues did a better job with I, I think the Blues did a better job potentially with trading Tarasenko and O'Reilly than Arizona might have done with trading Jacob Chikrin. So um, it'll play itself out here, but uh, it, it's an intriguing angle to try and look at, I guess. Hey, Curves, I want to talk about two guys that came back, one via waivers, obviously, in, in, in trade. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen seems to have a lot of skill set, a lot of talent. What what do you think his ceiling is for this team? Uh, and then Jakob Verana, when can we expect to see him on the ice? Well, I, I think they're, they're hoping to see Verana on the ice tomorrow. I think they were definitely hoping to see him on in, in L.A., but there might have been some flight issues getting out of Detroit. So, I expect to see Verona on the ice, uh, and, and they had yesterday off, so they'll practice today, and, and we'll see how that gets sorted out. Uh, in terms of Kapanen, look, this is a former first-round draft pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Got dealt to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we saw him score a hat trick against the Blues earlier this year. We've seen him in two games for the Blues. His only goal being an empty net goal, but we've seen him go into the middle of the ice. Uh, we've seen some smart play along the boards. We've seen some puck battle play uh, out of him, which is something that I think the Blues desperately needed. So his full upside, I, I don't know. I do know this. He's going to get top six minutes with this team right now and into next year. He's not going to get flushed out behind a Crosby and Malkin and you know a Jake Kensel and those guys. Uh, he's going to get huge opportunity here in a top six role that maybe he hasn't fully had with either of the teams he's been with. So if there is an opportunity for him to take advantage of in his career, this is surely it. Curbs, you know, we're talking about the retooling, rebuilding of this group and Doug Armstrong saying that, you know, of course, all this is about getting this team competitive again, especially for next season. Does it seem like, though, that the team that we're kind of seeing being rebuilt is very different identity wise than that 2019 team? Oh, we, Brooke, look, and, and you know this as well as anybody, like we are long gone and far from the identity of that 2019 team. And to me, that identity started to shift when you didn't offer Pat Maroon a contract. And then you had the career-ending injuries or retirements of Alexander Steen and Jay Bomeister and Carl Gunnarsson. I mean, and, and it's, it started there. Uh, the, the get it low, grind it. They knew... When you when that 2019 team got on a roll after January of 2019, 
teams that played against them knew that when they were going into that game, they were going to lose a piece of something. <laughs> like you, they were going to take a chance. I mean, I, I still claim this, and I think it's accurate. The Blues broke the San Jose Sharks. The <laughs> San Jose Sharks thought they were still. They did. They they thought they, thought they were still a, a team that was competing for a cup. You know, a couple of years ago, you know, had made it all the way. You know, and to the conference finals, and and again, and they thought that they were ready to win it. And by the end of that series, when in, I believe it was Game Five in San Jose, when the Sharks only had nine players on the bench, and then were just a mash unit coming into Game Six, that franchise never recovered from that. And it sent them into the tailspin and the rebuild that they're in. So we're a long way from that one. What is the identity of the new team coming forward? That remains to be seen, Brooke, because I think that's going to mean another level for Thomas and Cairo to step up. It's going to mean redefining how this team defends because they're going to be bringing back the majority of their defensemen because of the way the contracts are set up. You know you've got a goaltender that's going to keep you competitive. But to me, the identity is going to come over the next couple of years as you see Snuggerud and Bullduke and this next wave of players come in to help form that identity. The other guys in the meantime, the players, some of the players you're bringing in, they're going to be placeholders until that happens. Wow. Yeah. I mean, especially to your point there, it seems like even if you look at Jakob, I know we haven't seen him on the ice as a blue yet, but from just looking at some video and highlights of him, he's not exactly a defender and neither is Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas in some sense. So it seems like it's a little bit more built towards like that younger wave speed. um, Hopefully some guys that can score a lot of goals, right? You know, you know what you did see in, in that, in the Los Angeles game to your point is, you, you could see where the speed at times of the L.A. Kings was just a difference maker for them getting to pucks. And sometimes you start to wonder and you think, okay, well, there wasn't much compete there because the other guy won the puck. And then I started thinking, well, actually, maybe they're just faster. Maybe they just got there quicker because because they were faster. And there's something to that. You know, I mean, Kerry, you, you, you could attest to this uh, from a football standpoint. You might have a, you might have a really good safety or really good uh, defensive back you know, but if they're facing a, a if they're facing a wide receiver that's got that much more speed, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And then to me, so I wonder if the Blues are kind of still in that mode where that is. Now, when it's your fast guys getting beat to pucks, okay, that's when you can question effort and all that. But uh, but I think as a team and as a whole, one of the biggest changes that's going to have to happen for this group, I thought going into this season, and, and it, I was obviously proven to be a little nuts and wrong on this, but I thought, okay, I didn't think that the Blues were going to have the nine guys getting 20 goals. That, that was a hell of an offensive year they had the year before. And especially with the loss of David Perron, you figure there's going to be a drop-off. But with the quality of the defensemen that they have and with the goaltender that they have, even if you lose a half a goal a game, I thought you could make that up by just better defensive hockey. That's what didn't happen this year. Somewhere between the rest of this year and into the offseason, the coaching staff, Doug Armstrong, and the players are going to have to figure out how to play better defensive hockey. And by cutting down on goals against, you're going to really help your competitive level. And then to do that, yeah, you might have to get that speed game more into your game. Blues take on the Coyotes tomorrow at 8 p.m. Pre-game starts at 7. Curves will be listening in. Thank you. Talk to you next week. All right, you guys. Have an awesome week. Thanks. Bye. That was play-by-play analyst Chris Kerber joining us from the Blues booth.